partnership. <clears throat> to define it, the word partner means at least two people engaged together in the same activity. I'm going to say it again and give them time to give you the definition. Two people, at least two people, engaged together in the same activity. So you can be talking about family. You can be talking about um, your business. You can be talking about church. Anything in the world, as long as you've got two people engaged and focused on the same activity, you have a partnership. You have a partner. And partnership is God's design. You were not created to be effective in this world to your potential all by yourself. In Genesis 2.18, there's a scripture you know, but I want you to think about. It's where God looked at Adam and he said, it is not good for man to be alone or all one. And obviously, uh, God made the woman and made the woman a partner, a spouse, a companion with the man. And the, the primary context of that is marriage. But you can also use it from the perspective of understanding whatever it is that you're embarking on, whatever your purpose and your destiny is, it is not good for you to be in it alone. You need partnership. Everything God created, he created around the concept of partnership. I want you to think about this. Partnership yields fruitfulness. Think about the created world. When you speak of vegetation, when you go into the area of vegetation, vegetation needs cross-pollination in order to be fruitful. When you go into the animal kingdom, wolves travel in packs and lions in prides. When you see the geese, they're flying in a formation made up of the strength of the partnership. Partnership yields fruitfulness and accomplishment. Loneliness yields barrenness and failure. And however you apply this, family, ministry, business, even if you're talking about an NFL team, you need partners. Success, championships, winning, making it happen will at some level require partnership. And the reason I'm teaching this today, I've been getting so many of your testimonies, and I love it when you send me testimonies. It's really encouraging to me. And I've been getting your testimonies with someone on the praise team got a $13,000 a year raise at their job, and they were praising God. And there's there's uh, people in our children ministry have been uh, seeing extraordinary blessing, and God's raising people up just all over the church. There's just things happening. The good things, we give God praise for those things. But it has a limit. You can only be blessed so much until you hit the ceiling of your capacity to gather it. Everyone shouts over Malachi 3, I'll pour out a blessing you don't have room to receive. That's not a positive scripture because a blessing I, have, I don't have room to receive means there's going to be a lot wasted unless I bring with me partners. At some point, you hit the end of your ability uh, to realize what God is doing in your life level to level, at some point you cannot go further without establishing partnerships in your life. And this is true for us in a practical sense. It's true in the scripture. But what I want you to see, it's true of Jesus. The first thing Jesus does as he's establishing his earthly ministry is he went out and picked out 12 partners. If Jesus needed partners to accomplish his purpose, you are going to need partners to accomplish yours. So Luke 5, 1 and 2, 
we see the beginning of how he pulled these partners out. The multitude was pressing him all around him, trying to hear the word of the Lord. And they kind of pressed him to the lake. There was just this massive crowd following him. They pressed him to the lake. And he decides the most advantageous way to get his voice to hit all of the ears of the people that were uh, coming around him was he, he would go out on a boat onto the lake and let his voice bounce off the water and uh, amplify himself in that way so that he could be heard. So verse two, he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of the boats and they were washing their nets. In other words, a group of fishermen that had been working hard all night and failed did something that attracted Jesus to their boat. There was a lot of boats there he could have used. I submit to you, the scripture doesn't say this. I submit to you what attracted Jesus to select these four guys to be his followers. What attracted him to their boat is what they were doing right after failure. Because the scripture says after they had toiled all night and they got back to land, the first thing they were doing is they were washing and repairing their nets. They weren't resting. They were repairing their nets. That's powerful because it would have been tempting to go get some sleep and deal with the nets later. If I was up all night fishing with you and we didn't catch anything and we got back to the land and you started talking about washing a net, I would tell you I would see you in a few hours. I'm going to go get some sleep and come back and deal with the nets later. Not these men. They immediately after failing begin washing and repairing their nets. In other words, preparing for the next time they were going to go fishing. Preparing for the next catch. Point number one of class. Find partners who use their downtime as prep time. I'm going to say it real, real quick. Find partners who use their downtime as prep time. When you encounter failure, you have two options. You can sulk and complain, get mad at God and everybody else, or you can use your downtime as prep time. And I want you to know that it frustrates and confuses the enemy of your soul when after failure, instead of going down into sadness and depression, you use your downtime as prep time. Because preparation is a form of faith in action. I've oh, got to say it again. Preparation is a form of faith in action. Because I wouldn't be preparing if I didn't believe that's the next time this thing was going to work. Preparation is a way of saying no matter what I have lost in the past, no matter how I have failed in the past, I have so much confidence in my future that I'm going to prepare now for what I am convinced by faith is coming in the future. Notice something Jesus saw. Jesus saw them repairing their nets. I want to submit to you this. He saw them repairing what they were. Later, he tells them, you'll be fishers of men, speaking about going and winning the lost and preaching the gospel. But, but he sees them holding the nets, and really what he sees is a net holding a net. What is a net? It's nothing more than a series of single, individual strings tied together in partnership. 
for the purpose of adding strength when you try to haul something in or when you try to gather something. And the integrity of the entire net is no greater than the individual strings. Jesus notices that in the process of throwing the net out, some of the strings had been broken. And I want to tell you, whatever your net is, whatever your net is if for your business or in your vocation or in your family, whatever you use to gather, whatever you throw out and pull back in to gather in your life, if you use it occasionally, you'll get some holes in the net. Occasionally, you'll get some broken places in the net that need to be repaired. Oh, hallelujah. No matter how good you are, no matter how professional or proficient you are at whatever it is you do, you keep throwing that thing out, something's going to get damaged and need to be repaired. And so the text is intimating to us that this failure of fishing all night and catching nothing was actually a gift from God. I don't know who I'm talking to. Sometimes failure can be a gift from God. Why? Because you don't have time to repair the net when you're busy throwing it out. And you don't have time to repair the net if you caught a lot because you got to get back to the land and clean the fish and sell the fish and deal with what you caught. And so sometimes failure is a gift because it gives you time to repair what's broken. So when the next catch comes, you won't lose it through your fingers because of the broken places in your net. He sees them repairing the nets. Look at somebody say, repair your net. Repair your net. God has brought, I don't know who you are in this place that I'm talking to, but, but listen, God has brought you to a season of recovery and repair, and it's a precious season. It's a gift of a season, and you need to repair that net because the next time you throw it out, you're going to need a strong net. Okay. Verse number three, the Bible says he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And uh, he asked him to put out a little from the land. You, you have to see the imagery. A crowd's following Jesus, kind of pressing him toward the lake. He looks and sees two boats. Nobody's on them. There's fishermen beside the boats cleaning their, and repairing their nets. And so Jesus just walks up on one of the boats, looks at Simon Peter and says, hey, um, could, you, uh, could you roll me out here a little bit onto the water? And that means Simon has to stop what he's doing after working all night to take care of something that's important to the Lord. Point number two, find partners with a giving spirit. Find partners with a giving spirit. I don't know about you. I'm tired of partnering with selfish people. Have you ever partnered with a selfish person? I was helping a couple of guys push, uh, they ran out of gas. I was helping a couple of guys push their truck. And, and while we were pushing, I noticed I was pushing a lot harder. (laughs) 
there's a certain feeling you get, you know, when, when you're the one pushing the hardest and the people, I mean, I'm sweating. They look fresh. They look good. They smell good. If you're pushing a truck and you still smell good, you're not pushing. Find partners with a giving spirit. Notice Peter agreed to let Jesus use his boat after failing. He agreed to let Jesus use his boat. He didn't know a great miracle was coming. Jesus was only known as a great teacher. Okay. He was only known as this master and this rabbi everybody wanted to listen to. Peter didn't say, ooh, I have an opportunity to maybe get something. No. He let Jesus use his boat to preach because he had a generous giving spirit. Listen to me. Giving after failure is a sign of a liberal, generous spirit. Okay. Been laboring, tired, cleaning his nest, just wants to go home. And Jesus shows up and asks him to give him something, to give him value. He wants to use his primary tool of business, his boat. He has to use time. He has to use strength and energy from Peter. When God really asks you to give him something, it's never convenient. Preachers, you know, do offering challenges all the time. Sometimes it's for you. Sometimes it isn't. If you want to know a key of which offering challenge is for you, it will be the offering that is the least convenient to do at the time. God never asks for what's convenient. And so he challenges Peter and, and he, he's, he's saying, you know, can, can you help me preach my word? I got all these people here. Peter, don't, he don't care about all those people. He wants to go home. But Jesus is saying, can, can, you, can you help me get my purpose accomplished in this situation? Peter is, is generous. He's, he's giving. He's liberal. He says, sure. Proverbs eleven twenty five is a prophecy. It's not just an instruction. It's a prophecy. It says that the liberal soul or the generous, the giving soul will be made fat or will be large and increased. This translation is nicer than the old King James. The old King James says the generous soul will be made fat. This one says rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. Peter's activating that prophecy by saying, sure, Jesus, you can use my boat. And so Jesus goes on the boat to begin to preach. Now, it's interesting as you look at this with spirit eyes, because Peter's boat was his business and the business wasn't working. If you have a business, you know what it's like to go through those dry spells where the business isn't working. The phone's not ringing. The clients aren't coming. It's, it's not working. And, and yet Peter gives what's not working over to Jesus and lets him use what's not working. And it's interesting. And Jesus preaches from the boat. And then verse number four says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Let down your, doesn't go get new nets and he doesn't get a new boat. 
He's standing on the same boat that I've been fishing in the same lake all night long. And you're telling me to take my same net and take my same boat and go out there and drop it in the same spot. And at this time, it's going to be different than it was the last 490 times I threw it out last night. Point number three, find partners who know the miracle will come from the tools you already have. Walking with God will teach you how to leverage what you do have to get a hold of what you do not have. I'm going to say it again. Walking with God will teach you how to leverage what you do have to get a hold of what you do not have. Peter, you have no fish, but you do have a boat. And since you let me use your boat to preach on, I'm going to use the same boat that you do have to give you something that you don't have. I want you to consider that in the scripture, God's preference is to work miracles with what is already there. What you need is somewhere on the inside of you. What you need is somewhere in something you already have. We don't shout over that. We don't praise God for that because we pray for oak trees and God answers in acorns. We pray for finished products and God answers in ingredients. Whatever it is that you desire, whatever it is that you want, whatever it is that's important to you, what I'm telling you right now is that thing is already somewhere down on the inside of you. It's just in the form of ingredients. This is what Jesus meant when he said, the scriptures always confused me until the Lord revealed it. This is what Jesus meant when he said, whatsoever things you desire... When you pray, believe you have received them and you shall have them. That's always bothered me because I wouldn't be praying for it if I had already received it. And what what does he mean? He says, when you pray, believe you have, past tense, received them and you shall have them. What do you mean, Lord? You have received them in the form of ingredients. In other words, I've already loaded the tools to get everything you need in your life somewhere in your life in the form of ingredients. And I'm going to use the tools you already have to bring the miracle into your life. It won't be coming through new stuff. It won't be coming through a new book that you read, through a new course that you take, from some new design that some newfangled person brings into your life. You don't need what they're trying to sell you. You have it already down on the inside of you. And he wants Peter to know you don't need a new net. You don't need a new boat and you don't need a new fishing hole. People love to make us feel like we just don't know enough or we're not educated enough or we we didn't come from the the uh, pristine enough background in order to get what we want and because we're so prone to insecurity we buy into it and believe it and then they try to package their ideas and their wisdom telling us if we'll read their book take their class get their degree go to their school that we can have what we desire God said no I already put the raw components of every thing you will need to get the breakthrough, to get the victory, and to get the things you desire. I already put it down on the inside of you. But 
before you were formed in your mother's belly, I knew you. I knew what your life would be. I knew what your path would be. I knew what your walk would be. I looked at your life from the end to the beginning, and I put everything you need somewhere in your life. You don't need new tools. Push your neighbor. Say, you don't need no tools except the ones you already got. That's why Jesus... That's why Jesus looks crazy. He looks crazy when he's got 15,000 hungry people looking at him and they bring him five little loaves of bread and two small fish. And Jesus looks crazy because he starts going into praise. He lifts up his hands. He's walking around. He's thanking the father because Jesus know he knows everything this crowd needs is already right here in these raw materials. All I need is for God to touch the raw materials and cause what I already have to be multiplied to meet my need. So before the miracle, he starts giving thanks and praise for what was provided. What is he doing? He's praising and acknowledging God for raw materials. Have you thanked God and praised God for the raw materials that he did give you? I know you may not have everything you want right now, but you do have something and the things you want are going to come from that same old something that God provided before the need ever presented itself. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but it's already there. It's already inside you. You don't need new tools. But if you have a partner that is fascinated by new tools, Then every time you get down, every time you need somebody to help you up, they'll be telling you all about what you don't have. They'll be reminding you all of what you didn't learn. They'll be reminding you all of what your personality strengths are not. And maybe if you'd work on that, you know, they always criticize when they're obsessed with what they don't have. And if, the, if you don't criticize others, you criticize yourself. You stand in the mirror or you mutter to yourself on the way to work. My life wouldn't be like this if I had X, Y, Z. Jesus said, no, no. You're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Perfectly designed to accomplish the purpose intended for your life. And every tool you needed has been assigned by God himself. It is somewhere in your life. It's somewhere on your old rusty boat. It is somewhere and there's power in it. And Jesus is about to show it. And so, and so he tells Peter, take, take your nets, take your nets and, uh, and let them down. And, uh, and uh, Peter almost obeys the Lord. Because he's got faith and doubt working together at the same time. We all do. I'm preaching this morning to you. And I'm preaching with both faith and doubt. When you pray, you're praying in both faith and doubt. When you live, when you wake up in the morning, you wake up in both faith and doubt. And, and they're, working, they're working simultaneously in the same person. There are people that say that's not possible, but... But I, they're, they're crazy. You got faith and doubt 
all the time, okay? And so Peter, the faith side of him says, you know what? Could be. The doubt side of him says, but don't let them all down because that'd be a lot more work if this turns out how you know it's already going to turn out. And so he, he lets down the net. Point number four, find partners who know past patterns are not predictions of future opportunity. Let that wash over you. Past patterns are not predictions of future opportunity. Just because you've been toiling all night and caught nothing doesn't mean it won't work in the morning. Peter's, listen to me, Peter's experience has become an enemy to him. He's so good at what he does, and he's done it so long that his paradigm for his future opportunities is based around his experience, how it's happened in the past, how it happened the last time. But you have to remember, Peter knows the natural tendencies, the natural trends, the natural patterns. What Jesus is about to bring into his life is a supernatural pattern and a supernatural trend. The mistake Peter is making is not that he has doubt present. The mistake Peter is making is he's leaving the God factor out of his practical endeavor. You didn't hear what I said. He's, he's leaving the God possibility out of his practical endeavor. I know you're not leaving God out of the equation this morning. You're in church hearing God's word. But on Tuesday afternoon, I want the champions to remember, don't leave out the God factor. When you're writing your business plan to present for the financing, don't leave out the God factor. When you go for the promotion, do not leave out the God factor. When you're trying to sign new clients, when you're developing your marketing plan, do not leave out the God factor because God's got a blessing so big, it'll make your system break. It'll make your organization break. It'll make everything around you break. God's got something in mind that will sink your boat, but you cannot leave out the God factor. It, help me spread that rumor. Touch two people say, don't leave out the God factor. Don't leave out the God factor. Peter! Peter! You let me use your boat for my business, the kingdom. And since you let me use your boat so I could get what I wanted... Now I'm going to use that same boat that's not working and turn around and give you what you want. Enough with this theology, this real stiff, tight theology that, that all God cares about are spiritual things. Okay. And that all we should care about, you know, we shouldn't worry about money. We shouldn't care about, you know, promotion or advancement or success in the world. We should just walk around praying all day and focus on the kingdom of God. Hogwash. God cares about what's important to you. He just doesn't what he just doesn't want what's important to you to become more important than what matters to him. 
And Peter passes the test because he does what matters to Jesus. And after doing what matters to Jesus, Jesus turned around and said, watch what I'm about to do for you. You helped me preach. You gave me your boat. You gave me your sweat, your energy, and your labor. And now I'm about to bring a blessing so big it's almost going to sink you. I'm not talking about a blessing that you say thank you. I'm talking about a blessing that wrecks everything. I'm talking about a blessing where you have to go back to the drawing board and figure out how to live and move. I'm talking about a blessing that wrecks your organization. I'm talking about a blessing that turns your life upside down. Oh, hallelujah. I feel something on that right there. Oh, I feel something on that right there. Because to this point, you've been blessed. But you have not ever seen the type or the kind of blessing that's about to come in your net. There's a net-breaking blessing on its way to the champions in this church. I want to tell you from my spirit, there's a net-breaking blessing on the way to the champions in this church. You messed around and supported the gospel. You messed around and gave Jesus your boat. You messed around and had faith in the word. And a net-breaking blessing. And when the net, he, he lets the net down. And we just go, you know, follow the word of the Lord, you know. Because church is great. Until a word from the spirit begins to magnetically draw massive change in a whirlwind in your practical life. Then church gets scary. That's what ended up happening to Peter. He got scared of Jesus, fell down at his knees, said, you need to get away from me. I ain't worthy of this. You ever had a blessing that made you cry and start repenting? I'm not talking about a blessing that you shouted and gave a testimony. I'm talking about a blessing where you got real with God and said, you know what? I don't even, I don't even deserve this. trying with all his might to pull this, this blessing up. But this blessing is a dangerous blessing. Because it's a higher level of blessing than you've ever received. See, you've done good with the blessings of the past. Okay? Because you could handle it. This is a blessing. Don't shout over this. Listen. This is a blessing you can't handle. can't pull it up. It's there. God did it. But I can't pull it up. Jesus, could you help? No. Did you notice that in the text that Jesus didn't help him? Because it's his job to give it. But it is your responsibility to receive it. 
Jesus could have put his pinky down there on the net, popped it up. No, 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 no. I provided it. You have to receive it. So here, Peter learns a valuable lesson. I'm going to need somebody else. I finally hit a level that if I don't have a partner, this whole thing is wasted. I prophesy a blessing is coming to you. Listen to me. That if you don't have a partner, it will be utterly wasted. So Peter, he stands up. Remember, he's not on the, the shore anymore. What did Jesus say? Launch out into the deep. He's out in the deep now. So scripture says, Peter starts signaling, hey, hey, to his partner. Could we need another boat? I need somebody who can help me with the load of this blessing. Point number five, find partners who have the ability to share the load, not add to it. In other words, partners have their own boat. Oh, I said partners have their own boat. If you are the only one in your circle that's got a boat, you are in the wrong circle. Partners have their own boat. In other words, they can share the load, not add to it. I mean, other partners that didn't have a boat, they could have said, Peter, I'll come get up on your boat and help you pull. But all that does is add more weight to the boat. The boat's carrying enough. You don't need any more dead weight on the boat. You need somebody that has their own boat. Who am I preaching to? You don't need any more dead weight employees. You need somebody that's got their own boat. You don't need any more dead weight friends. You need somebody that's got their own boat. You don't need any more dead weight family members. You need somebody that's got their own boat. Tell them that you love them and send them a birthday card. But for God's sake, don't let any more people that aren't pulling weight on your What I'm telling you is remove yourself from environments that drain you without pouring anything back in. Remove yourself from people who drain you without pouring anything back in. You're going to need that energy to carry this next blessing. And then finally, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. Hallelujah. Partners are close enough to see you signal. The distance was a little too far for Peter to scream. So we sent up a signal. And his partners were close enough they could see the signal. 
If you signaled for help, who would come? If God did in your life what I'm preaching about right now, who would you get to help you? Who even has a boat in your circle? Which is why the word of the Lord sent this word to your ear this morning. Jesus needed partners. The Apostle Paul needed partners. David needed partners. There's a level you can grow to where you can't grow anymore without it. And you, ladies and gentlemen, you need partners. Give the Lord praise all over the house. Five minutes. Let me give you some action items. Because you can't say all that and then just leave. Or else church is, church is great. Number one, if, you, if this is for you, take it. If not, church is great and we'll see you next week. Partner with the purpose of God. Partner with the purpose of God. The Lord spoke to me and told me to tell you at the beginning of this year, I, I told Mantle and our elders, but I'll tell you now, no peril will come to those who partner with God's purpose. No peril, peril, sudden destruction, the trouble that takes you out. No peril will come to those who partner with the purpose of God. You may say, how do I partner with the purpose of God? Understand, the purpose of God isn't your purpose. And a lot of times it's not even what you want to do. You do it because it's his purpose. This is the conundrum Peter's in when he's washing the nets and ready to go home. He didn't want to take Jesus out on the water, but he does it because God revealed to him that it was the Lord's purpose. And so he decides to partner with the purpose of God. So how do I partner with the purpose of God? Pray every single day. If you're not a praying person, just start with the Lord's Prayer. Pray every single day. There's a great part in there. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Partner with the purpose of God. Number two, attend church. Uh, in, in the epistle of Peter, he talks about we are all individually living stones that make up and form a spiritual house. This local body of the body of Christ, this local spiritual house is missing stones where we got holes in the wall when you're not here. God wants you to be here. It's why he said in his word, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It's important that you come to church. You did good today. Do good again next Sunday. Attend. Number three, tithe. When you tithe, you are literally funding and supporting what God wants done. Doesn't matter what you're getting done. Doesn't matter what you want done. When you tithe, you are funding and supporting what God wants done. When you tithe and give offerings, you are literally saying, Jesus, here's my boat. It's important to you to get the word out. Okay, here's my boat. We do a lot of things here in the community. We do a lot of wonderful things, and that's just beautiful. None of it is more important 
than the ministry of the word of the Lord because that's what was important to Jesus. That's what Jesus was concerned about. That is the main thing that we do is minister the word of the Lord. When you tithe and give offerings, you are actively making sure we can be the church in this community. We can do all of the things that we do, but most importantly, we continue to minister the word of the Lord with excellence. You're literally giving Jesus your boat. Number four, serve. Find a spot somewhere in the church, plug in and serve. Whether you're giving out food with Pastor Jeff and Pastor Tracy at the food pantry, whether you're serving in one of the departments, whether you're doing, you, you, when you serve and engage, that's that part where Peter had to row Jesus out to the spot on the lake where Jesus wanted to preach. The gospel in the scripture, cover to cover, the gospel never gets ministered without human partnership. For whatever reason, God chose to partner with human beings to get his word into the earth. He could do it any way he wanted to do it. He could have used angels and or whatever. But he chose to partner with human beings to get the word out into the earth and to get the work of God done. There is something so powerful about serving is because you're putting your hand to the same thing God has his hand on. You're putting your time, your energy, your emotion, your resources into the same thing that God is concerned about. There is safety in serving. If you are serving, no peril will come to your life or your house this year. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. If you are serving, no peril will come to your house this year. And then finally, add positive energy. Positive energy is a decision, not a disposition. Positive energy is a decision. It's not a disposition. Okay. So there, there's um, a lot of people that just in their natural state, their natural personality, their natural disposition, they have resting blank face. It's a sea of them, right? Just, just sprinkled all through here, just... People just sitting there with resting blank face. And uh, if you don't know what resting blank face is, ask somebody two rows behind you. They'll tell you. <laughs> resting blank face. And, and here's the thing. People with resting blank face are often very kind, nice people. They just have no idea how their, their energy, the energy of their attitude, the energy of the look on their face, the energy of their presence. They never put any time into considering what they're presenting out to the world. And so what I want to tell you, and you can use this at church. It also works wonders at home with your family. If, if you will make the decision to put on positivity, think of it like a jacket. That jacket is not your body, but you can put it on your body. That looks nice on you. A positive attitude, having energy, brightening your eyes up, putting a pep in your step, acting like you're happy to see people even when you are not, smiling even when you do not feel like smiling, laughing at somebody's corny, stupid joke that they told you 13 times when you park the car in the parking lot and here they come to tell you at number 14 and you smile and give them a laugh and shake their hand and say, God bless you. It's good to see you this morning. That is something you put on. Also works great in the workplace. 
intentionally bringing positive energy to a room. It's amazing. Makes people feel better. Makes people feel good. Get a lot more accomplished. Uh, instead of being, I, instead of being like, I'm here, but I'm going to be a drain all service long. I'm going to look down during the worship service. I'm going to disengage during the announcements. I'm going to stare at the preacher like he ain't saying nothing good. I'm going to be a drain all service long. I'm here, but I'm going to be a drain. Oh. Oh. Put on positive energy. Add positive energy. Smile at the preacher. You, know, you don't have to smile at me, but when we bring in guest preachers, smile at the preacher. Make the preacher feel like that you know you're interested in what he said. Because, because believe it or not, the more energy you add, the more capacity you create to receive. Because you know. You start adding energy to a place, you may be faking your energy, but if you add good energy, God's real energy will hit you. Because the scripture still says he inhabits the praises of his people. One of the most powerful things to do is to praise and sing when you don't feel like it. One of the most powerful things to do is to pray and worship and seek God when you don't feel like praying or worshiping or seeking God. One of the most powerful things to do is to will yourself into that energy of interacting and engaging with God. Very, very powerful. All that's under the heading, partner with the purpose of God. And then, number two, ooh, y'all are going to hate this one. Y'all didn't really love that last one, but uh, number two, partner with your spouse. Partner with your spouse. Build some kind of vision board or calendar or something. Put some goals on it. Go after something together. Too many of you see each other as opposing generals on a battlefield. You know, whose way is it going to be? Um, you need to find something you can go after together. You need to find something that you can partner together towards. Sometimes love is spelled H-E-L-P. The romance novels fooled you and all the songs were wrong. Sometimes the most, ro I'm going to give you some inside stuff. Sometimes the most romantic, sexy thing you can do is find something I'm doing and help me. You'd be amazed how attractive you are. You can be 150 pounds overweight. You can have hair like a filthy mop. You decide to help your spouse. It would blow your mind. No, you don't. Y'all don't believe me. It's all right. It would blow your mind. And you know what? And you know what? A lot of times they won't ask you. 
That's why you got to see the. Are you close enough to your spouse to see their signals? That look in their eye. That thing that comes on them when they're overloaded. And they're under pressure. And they're starting to crack under the weight of it. Can you see the signals? Or is your dumb self still saying, what's wrong? Well, what's the matter? Did I do something? No, you didn't do nothing. And that's. Same thing's true with your children or, you know, with your parents. You know, are you close enough to see the signals in the important people in your life, in the important people? Are you close enough to see, oh, you know what? I need to, I need to move into position there. I need to partner there. I need to help there. Why doesn't charismatic churches and denominations why don't we have family businesses anymore? You want to know the most expensive piano in the world you can buy? Steinway and Sons. It's just a Jewish family. Started by an old man. Taught his son the business. And then his other son, then his other son, then his other son. And they just kept making pianos and kept making pianos. And kept making pianos. And kept making pianos. And kept making pianos. Steinway and Sons. Why, why are all of these. You can, you can look them up. How many and sons businesses there are. That have gone on for generations. You know, Kind of like you know, the boys would come in. And you know. Daddy I want to do something. Kind of like what I'm going to tell my kids. Daddy I want to do something. There ain't no chance in hell you're doing anything else. But what I'm doing. I want to find myself, find yourself somewhere inside the circle of what I'm doing and go to work. It's what my daddy told me. It's what I'm going to tell mine. Why have we lost the, the power of generational accumulation? Why, we, we've become so free-spirited that we're broke. You're free. Granddaddy didn't hand you a business. Where would you be if granddaddy handed you a business? Not a life insurance check to cover the funeral. A business. You know what causes that and what fosters that environment? Little kids or young adults are people in their 20s and 30s that decide not to be selfish, but to see signals and start partnering with the purpose that's around them. Somebody in your circle has got a purpose and you don't know what yours is, get your tail right next to them and partner with what they are doing until yours becomes clear. 
you will find your purpose. If, if you don't know what your purpose is, you will find it working, not resting. I apologize to you. I really do because you came for great church and church is great. But if you will take the things I have said and go and put them into practical application in your life, you will be able to haul in and receive the blessing that is coming. But it's going to require partners. Stand to your feet. <clears throat> Last point. Last point. I wasn't going to put this one in, but God told me to. I love the idea. You're going to have to, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm going to be real transparent. It's going to get a little ugly because I got a little ugliness. We all do. I love, love, love the idea of wanting you, but not needing you. I've said it before many times. I love you and I want you, but I don't need you. And it was true when I said it. I learned to say that by being in ministry all of my life and seeing the disappointment that people bring. Okay. Ministry is one of the most disappointing jobs in the world. The goalpost, the success always is moving. And it's a success that's not really our success because all success in the kingdom belongs to the king. So it's a hard job depressing job. And so what helped me develop a thick skin was to be able to have the attitude and the, the mindset. And, oh, I hate to leave it because, oh, it served me well. I love you. I want you, but I don't need you. And, and what that always meant to me was if you don't help, oh, well, you know, if you don't serve, if you don't give, if you don't do nothing, if you come and cause problems, don't bother me because I love you and I want you, but I don't need you. I'm going to do what I do regardless of what you do. And that served me well. But I've grown to a place where I cannot grow any further without partners. And I got a few, but I need more partners. I've, I've maxed out my level, my level of blessing. I, I'm maxed out. I can't go further in my gift and in my research, in everything. I can't go further. God's brought me a long way. But in order to go to the next level, I have to, I need, oh, it sounds like a cuss word coming out of my mouth. I need partners. So the last point, partner with your pastor. I don't know why they put that picture of me up there. I look so goofy. <laughs> Didn't even want to do it. The Lord told me to do this point. Anyway, partner with your pastor. I've gone as far as I can go without partners.
How do we partner with you? Stay close enough to see signals. It's hard for me to ask you for something. I'd rather give something to you. And I'd rather do it myself. It's hard for me. So if I don't say it, are you close enough to to see the signals of vision? To see the signals of what's needed? To see the signals of where you can serve? To see the signals of how you can help? To see the signals of how much your being here matters? Not just on Sundays, but when we have special days and we have programs and you're not here, I feel it every time. Partner with your pastor. Stay close enough to see the signals of a vision and engage in it. Understand you are here for a purpose. And so don't let the signals of vision that God pours out of me, don't let the word that comes, don't let the labor that comes, don't let it fall on dim eyes and deaf ears. Some of you have pulled me aside and asked me, how can I partner with you? And I, and I smile and, and we have a short conversation and I go on, but you don't know how much that means to me because it's in the heart of God. God wants us to do something on a level that we cannot do. This thing I'm starting to haul that's in my net. This thing that I believe God has called us to do in this city. This thing I believe God has called us to do in this community. This thing I believe God has called us to do in the world. It's, it's, it's gotten to the places too heavy. So I'm sending up a signal. Partner with your pastor. Amen. All right, hands lifted. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that the anointing of the Spirit of God that causes the teaching of the Word to be revealed and manifested and bring forth fruit, not just inspiration, not just encouragement, but action items, take away things they can do in their practical life. Because God, I believe what you spoke to me, that you want to invade their practical everyday life with miracles of massive catches that they need help. They need help to gather in. Over every business owner, if you're a business owner, raise your left hand extra high. Over your business, I speak increase that makes your head swim. I speak increase that causes you problems because you have to restructure and reorganize everything to make it possible. I speak over your investments. I speak over your job. I speak over your vocation. I speak over your athletic endeavors. I speak over your book writing. I speak over your musical endeavors. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, whatever it is that your practical purpose is, I speak the blessing of the Lord over you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. And I pray in the name of Jesus that as you partner with the purpose of God and do what's important to him, that he will look after the things that are important to you. All of these things I pray over your life as an intercessor praying on your behalf. And I seal every one of these prayers in the only name that matters in the spirit world, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Clap your hands all over the house. I love you so much.